0: In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, we're back. National championship game in the books on Monday night with Georgia taking out Alabama. And now everyone looks ahead to the 2022 season. Some early odds already out for Wisconsin's chances of winning the national championship next year. Some Heisman trophy odds. We've gotten uh, the way too early top 25s. We'll get into that in a little bit as well. Plenty to talk about there. We'll also get into some of uh, Jesse's biggest storylines for this offseason, but I think it's probably worthwhile starting with the new schedule reveal from the Big Ten that came Wednesday. I wasn't expecting massive changes. It was kind of always expected that they would somehow work it so that teams that were we're playing in the same location back to back years because of what happened in 2020 it you know it, it wouldn't end up that way and that's kind of what it did but there're also some other notable changes for Wisconsin the, the the most expected one they are no longer hosting Nebraska and going to Purdue it's the opposite of that they're going to Nebraska and hosting Purdue the Purdue game's still on the same day October 22nd the Nebraska game got pushed back to November 19th i believe it had been November 5th that's um, correct so the, the dates are a little bit different. They were expected to be. They were coming off a bye to face Nebraska the first time. They will not be. They will be coming off. They will not be coming off a bye. They will be finishing a, a tough stretch that we kind of saw a couple years ago. I guess it hasn't been a couple years ago. It's been seven years ago uh, when they finished in 2014 with going with hosting Nebraska, going to Iowa, and then hosting Minnesota. Now they'll be going to Nebraska, to, or I should say to Iowa, to Nebraska, and then closing the season by hosting Minnesota. So I guess the most notable part of this is they're no longer opening the season against Illinois. You have to throw a a state on the end of Illinois uh, as to who they're playing in their opener now. Illinois, Wisconsin, Illinois. Brett Bielema's return had been something to look forward to for the opener that was going to be September third, likely September third. Instead, it's going to be Illinois State. Uh, They had been scheduled to come to Madison October, uh, September twenty fourth. Instead, they're going to be coming to open the season. And then Wisconsin instead of playing at Ohio State in November. We play in Ohio State September 24th in the team's Big Ten opener, both teams' Big Ten opener, I believe, and uh, then going to Illinois the fo- or hosting Illinois the following week. So there, there are a lot of changes, mostly days of games. The only change, uh, there's, there's no change in opponent, but mostly uh, days of games and then obviously locations of Purdue and Nebraska. Not a huge thing, Jesse, but I do think playing Ohio State early, I, I don't know. I mean, I, they have a lot to replace, but so does Wisconsin. And I know that game in November makes it look, makes November slightly easier, not having to, to face Ohio State then. You get, I think essentially Maryland gets pushed in November instead. But I don't know. What, what do you think?
1: Well, to, to start this show off with a bang, I don't think it matters when Wisconsin plays Ohio State in Columbus. The Buckeyes are probably going to win that game. I suppose if you're looking for a silver lining, a lot of times it seems like Ohio State loses a game earlier in the season before it finds its form. It seems like every year the Buckeyes lose a ton of players to the NFL and obviously reload, but sometimes it can take some time. I think I look at the schedule and I like the fact that Wisconsin opens with three straight non-conference games. I'm not really too keen on the fact that the Illinois State's even on the schedule. Remember that big discussion point all those years ago when there weren't going to be FCS opponents? I guess that didn't last Illinois state was four and seven last year, but I never really liked a conference game to open the season. And then you go into non-conference for three weeks, much like I've said about the basketball season. I like it better when you get the non-conference games out early, and then you can just dive into conference play, but Wisconsin is going to be opening on the road in big 10 play at Ohio state. As you said, that's, that's not very easy. I look at the closing stretch. I don't know whether it's, easier, but the previous closing stretch would have been, you're, you're hosting Nebraska, then you had to go at Ohio State, and then at Iowa, and then you're hosting Minnesota, and now you've got you're hosting Maryland, you're at Iowa, at Nebraska, and home against Minnesota, so maybe it lightens up a little bit at the end. That Mostly, it's it's sort of six of one, half dozen of the other. It's basically the same. As you said, it's the same opponents, other than the, the, uh, the only substantial changes, the the flipping of the home and away games with Purdue and Nebraska, but at least it gives everyone something to talk about in early January.
0: It does. And uh, yeah, Ohio State opens with Notre Dame. That's their opener and it's at home. So they will have had a test certainly before they face Wisconsin on September 24th. They don't leave uh, Ohio. They don't leave. I mean, they don't play a, an away game. Their first five games are home games. Uh, Ohio state that is. So they've got that going for them. Uh, Actually six of the first seven games are home games for Ohio state. It's one of those, it's one of those years where you play where Wisconsin at least plays four home games in the big 10 and plays five road games. I, I, and I think it's going to, I think it is at least a a conversation of why they maybe should go back to, to eight. What do you think they should, do you think it should be eight or nine? Like I, I, I feel like it should be nine because the less, the, the more big 10 teams that you face, the, the less Illinois States you place. Um, so I, I do think that's better for, I think it's better for fans. I think it's better for the team. I think it's just, I think it's just better overall, but I kind of see where some teams may want to go, go back to the eight to, to even this up. Cause it, you know, it's, it's, it, it is fair to an extent because it's every other year, but you know, it's not overly fair.
1: I'd say, why not just go to 10 conference games and make sure that the, <laughs> The two that you play in the non-conference are worthwhile. That probably isn't oh, fair because you've got
0: to. beat when they, go, when they beating go to the, yourselves up every week. Yeah, when they go to the super conference, Jesse, and they go there, you go. You know, the, these sixteen-team conferences. You got 16 sixteen-team conferences, and you're you're not playing any of those other te- uh, Any of those uh, less than marquee games on your schedule. Yeah, I think that uh, that uh, that all makes sense.
1: Sometimes it works in your favor and sometimes it doesn't. That's just the nature of the unbalanced schedule there. Um, I don't know. I don't see it moving backward at this point. I sort of feel like we're here to stay. Um, I don't know. My, I look at it and think if you're a fan and this is the home game slate, how no. excited are you? Uh, no, I don't know. At that all. there's Exactly. I don't know that there's much reason for excitement. Obviously, the regular season finale against Minnesota is – intriguing because of the rivalry and the Gophers beating the Badgers here a couple times in the last few years. But other than that, Washington state is the marquee game and that's a team in the PAC 12 that went seven and six uh, and went to a bowl game. That's about it. New Mexico state was two and 10 last year. I mentioned Illinois state. It's a payday for Illinois state. That's a team that finished with the losing record in the FCS and the, and the rest of the home big 10 games. I, I, I don't know that it gets you all that excited. Purdue at home, Maryland at home, and uh, I mentioned Minnesota, and, and obviously the Illinois game. Honestly, the Illinois game, just because it's Brett Bielema's return, but it's not all that exciting of a home schedule.
0: Um, yeah, but that Washington State game featuring the return of Nakia Watts.
1: Well, I think that just yeah. shot up to number one on everyone's list. <laughs>
0: Uh, assuming he's still there, uh, who knows with the transfer portal and and everything like that, I assume he's still there. I don't think he really played a lot this year. Um, I'm looking through his stats right now and, uh, yeah, I don't think he really played there, uh, much this year. So maybe he won't, maybe he won't even be there by the time they come to camp Randall next, uh, next September. It's not a great home schedule. It sucks, but it's, you know, it goes back to what this home schedule was this year, right? Like you get Michigan, you get Penn state. You get Nebraska, you know you, you get some of the the teams that are marquee teams uh, in the big Ten to an extent certainly uh, the first two are. I think Nebraska probably still thinks of itself as that, but this won't be the end of the changes. I, I would be shocked if that Illinois State game is actually on Saturday. you think it, it's a Friday night game it, it feels like a Friday night game. It feels like a night game and it feels like a Friday night game. Uh, there's two other uh, big Ten there's, or I should say there are two big 10 matchups that day, uh, or that weekend. Uh, I think it's Penn state and Purdue. And I think, uh, Illinois and Indiana, I think one of those games probably is on a Thursday and maybe the other one's on the Friday. I don't know, but, uh, it certainly feels like Illinois state in Wisconsin's like a, a Friday night game on BTN.
1: Might as well amp up the excitement for that one. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I know I sound super negative. I just, I don't know this, this, I, I will say, if you look at the road schedule for Wisconsin, man, just looking at those five games, that's pretty damn tough. (laughs) At Ohio State, Northwestern just over the years has been tough for Wisconsin to play. I I would imagine that the Badgers will be good enough to win that game, but I don't know. They got to replace 14 starters. And Michigan State's coming off a great season with Mel Tucker. You got to be on the road there at Iowa, at Nebraska. That is really tough. And I think I look at this and – you know, the last two years, Wisconsin's been picked to win the Big Ten West, and obviously the Badgers haven't done so. I think it's going to be quite a challenge to win the West, given even just looking at the fact that they've got two crossover games on the road against teams that were double digit, at one double digit games this past year with Ohio State and Michigan State. As we saw this year, you have a very small margin for error if you lose a couple of games in those crossovers, just the way Wisconsin lost early to Penn State and Michigan. If you don't win both of those, if you don't win one of those, I think, yeah man, Wisconsin's going to have a small margin for error to win the West this year.
0: Yeah, it's, yes. I mean, this schedule, I thought this year's schedule, all things considered, it was, was pretty difficult. You know, when you look back at it, and, and it was one of the more difficult schedules in the country. And yet, I kind of look at next year's schedule as even more difficult. You don't have the Notre Dame, right? You don't have a Notre Dame there but you still have to play two of the best teams from the East in Ohio state and Michigan state. And then your crossover game this year was Rutgers this next year. It's Maryland and Maryland, at least offensively is probably going to challenge you. And when you have as many guys gone as Wisconsin does on defense, like you're not going to be able to rely on the defense. Like you were at the beginning of this year. And and they still went, obviously started one in three, despite the defense playing really, really well. So uh, it's, um, it's going to be a challenge. I, I look at that schedule more difficult than this year. What do you think?
1: I would tend to agree. Um, and, and it's made more challenging by the fact that we, we don't know what Wisconsin's going to ha- have to offer on, on offense or defense. I I still think it's almost like defensively, they're going to be a top 20 defense, even though they've got to replace eight starters. I just feel when Jim Leonard's there and the way that they bring these guys along, they'll be fine defensively. I, I, they're not going to be at the level that they were this year. Clearly, they were number one in the country and total defense, set the program record, run defense. Offensively, I have no idea what to expect from Wisconsin. And I think that could be a challenge when you know that your defense isn't going to be as good as it was this year. Even if, Even though I think they'll be very good, they were clearly elite this year.
0: What is that? I mean, obviously we see that we went through this on on the last episode. We we think that they have a lot of talent at, at different spots, right? They bring back much of they want much of what they had on defense, uh, the defensive line. You know, they have some questions at inside linebacker. We think Jordan Turner is going to be the star, but still get the question. You know, who's going to be the other guy? You think you have some guys in the outside that are going to step in for Noah Burks uh, in the in the secondary? A lot of exciting talent at safety. I think you would say, especially with Hunter Waller, but there are questions at cornerback. I I know it's not the the 2017 defense after all those guys left 2018 was, was not good uh, by Wisconsin standards. I mean, it was, it was average overall and and below average by Wisconsin standards. So that's the last time they had to replace this many guys. And if you'll remember, Jim Leonard was the defense coordinator in 2018. Um, So I I don't think you can just simply count on because it's Jim and because it's what they've done in the past, that it's automatically going to be, a good defense right away. Yeah,
1: that's a valid point. I I do think particularly in the secondary, those are guys that have experience, even though Hunter Woller doesn't have a ton, but I think he's, as I mentioned before, got star potential. And even if Travion Blalock is the starter, he's, he's played John Torchio's played a bunch. We saw Alexander Smith and Dean Ingram get a bunch of reps this, this past season. I don't necessarily know how it's going to shake out, whether it's Samar Melvin or, or Justin Clark, that the Toledo transfer or somebody else emerging um, linebacker. To me, I think is is especially on the inside. Even though we don't necessarily know who it's going to be, I think they'll be more than serviceable. But that's a very valid point when you draw comparisons to 2018. I think they just they'll be solid enough to keep Wisconsin in games. I just think it continually goes back to the offense because, as we've discussed three of the last four seasons and definitely the last two seasons, it hasn't met what you think expectations should be. And you're losing a bunch of guys. I just, I have more questions about what Wisconsin will be offensively, even though they're losing eight defensive starters. Does that make sense? I think maybe it it's more based on what we've seen over the years, defensively and offensively, you can say they, they just haven't been good enough. And what reason do we have to believe that they're going to suddenly be good enough after losing, you know, you're all big 10 tight end, as much as people want to lament what Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor weren't um, still led your team in, in receptions and those three players in particular were Graham Mertz's go to guys. You got to figure out how to replace them. There's young talent there, but they're going to have to do it consistently.
0: Yeah. I think if you want to look at the defense and say, they're not going to have the same type of slide back as they did in 2018, you would look at the defensive line because in 2018 you lost Garrett Rand to a, to an, like you lose you know Chikwe Obasi and Alec James and Connor Sheehy, right? And then you lose Garrett Rand to a season-ending injury. Isaiah Laudermilk is is out for a large stretch. You know, um, Bay Songopolu misses a bunch and misses the second half of the season with an arm injury. Like there were, I mean, you were starting Cade Lyles at defensive end and he was an offensive lineman. So, I, if you want to say that they're not going to have that slide back, I would look at the defensive line and be like, that's a good, that is a good point. Right. Because you had you had T.J. Edwards and you had Ryan Connolly back uh, on defense and and certainly, you know, Andrew Van Ginkle. Like you had playmakers back, but the defense line wasn't where it needed to be. So they didn't stop the run nearly as well as they have usually throughout the t- uh, throughout Jim Leonard's tenure. And it, it allowed, you know, everything else to kind of be affected. So it, it, there are there's are, I mean, you can certainly look at it that way if you want to look at the defense and, and not having a, a real far fall from where they were last year. Well, I think
1: that's reasonable because I remember writing multiple stories about yards uh, per rush before contact in that 2018 season compared to the year before. And it was a substantial difference, and it was exactly as you laid out because they lost so many guys. A half yard, a yard difference on every play, that adds up over the course of time, and that's why they weren't very good at stopping the run that season. And I do think as long as you've got a healthy Keanu Benton, he can wreak havoc and the fact that they've got Isaiah Mullins coming back two of their three returning starters are on the D line and Rodas Johnson and James Thompson jr. To me are ready to step into more substantial roles. So that right there is a, a pretty good start on the front for Wisconsin's defense.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess this kind of rolls into the conversation about the way too early top 25s then, huh? Because, <laughs> sure. uh, and again, I, I think we both have noted in the past that we see Wisconsin and their um and the things that they don't do well and probably harp on those a little bit more. Uh, we don't see all the other teams warts. We see Wisconsin's warts. And so that's kind of when we're talking about this, maybe that's what it is, but I would love to know what Brett McMurphy was, um, on potentially smoking, um, that he views Wisconsin at number six in trying to replace 14 starters, including, as we've, we just have laid out so many important players. He has them at six in their initial rankings on, on action network. I, I uh, yes, a, a, a little inside here, folks. Uh, Jesse texted me that. And I, I almost fell over. Like,
1: <laughs> and I said, it's insane.
0: I was, I was yeah. like, I wanted confirmation to make sure I wasn't crazy. Isn't this insane? Yes. It makes no sense. No, it doesn't make any ten- any sense. And that's not a, a hit at, uh at the Badgers at all. It's just, it does I mean you, you look at what they've got coming back, you look at that schedule. I just don't know how you see number six. Well, and obviously so and that and that was by far the highest that they've been. Yeah. The other the other closest one I think would have been um Athlon Athlon. had him yeah, at Athlon twelve had him at twelve. Everyone else had them below, you know, 15, 16, 17 on down the rankings, and a lot of them didn't have them ranked at all. The way too early. But-
1: obviously are a good talk point in January, much like the release of the big 10 conference schedules. They're largely preposterous because what are they really based on who you think they have coming back? Okay. But it's, it's also based on your perception of the program and where they've been. And this is the Wisconsin team that finished outside the top 25 this year. And as we've mentioned, and I imagine we'll harp on over the next seven months or so they're losing 14 freaking starters on offense and defense. And I just don't think you can automatically say they're certainly not sixth in the country. Stuart Mandel, my colleague at the athletic does this every year. And he asks for feedback from all the beat writers. And and my feedback was when I told him, you know, who's coming back, who's leaving and my gut. I sort of said, I think maybe they're a fringe top 25 team. But I, even then, I, I, I question that. He wound up putting Wisconsin at number 19 because there's just so many questions. I don't think it's based on the schedule Wisconsin's going to play. A preseason ranking, to me, has nothing to do with wh- how difficult the schedule is going to be. It's where you think they're at coming into the season or obviously coming out of this season. But coming out of this season, can you really say that you think Wisconsin's a, a top 15 team at this point, knowing who they've lost and who they have to replace? Some of it may have to do with, as you said, monitoring these other teams and who they're losing and who they have coming back, but it's just hard for me to say that I feel like this is a top 15 Wisconsin team. I felt that coming out of last year because it was very easy to excuse what happened in 2020 because you had so many players going down with not only injuries, but COVID-19, and you had so many guys coming back that it made sense. It makes less sense to me this year that they're a top 15 team. Obviously, they're going to have a chance to prove it, you would think Wisconsin will be three and zero going into that September 24th game at Ohio state. And if you win that game somehow and beat the Buckeyes for the first time since 2010, then it changes your trajectory for the season. But right now I don't see it top 15. Maybe you could say they're fringe top 25, but even that to me is a little bit of a stretch.
0: Yeah, no, I think I, I think fringe is probably where I would have put them. Um, I mean, they weren't a top 10 team with all the guys that they had on the roster this year. You know what I mean? Like I, and and most of those guys are not coming back. I, I certainly don't think it's uh, addition by subtraction when it when it comes to the guys that they lost, especially defensively. Uh, yeah, I mean it it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I I would probably, as I said, go fringe top twenty five. It it really literally doesn't matter because the team that we ha- that uh, we see on paper right now for Wisconsin probably isn't going to look probably is not going to look exactly like it is uh, come. No come July and August, right? Whether it's guys coming in, whether it's guys leaving, whether, you know, we all, there's always rosters to remember, especially after spring practice, especially with guys having the ability to transfer once and play right away. Like if they don't come out of spring practice in a spot that they want to be in, then, you know, they could potentially move on. And I think that could also benefit Wisconsin in terms of trying to go out and get guys. We've seen them We've seen them in the portal already, right? Like we've seen them offer guys, whether it's a wide receiver, whether it's a safety, we, they, they added Justin Clark, the quarterback. They it's clear that they see some issues on their roster that they think that they have to fill. And I don't think that that is going to stop, you know, anytime soon. Like, I don't think it's going to stop in as long as the transfer portal is open and available to them. They're going to try and fill those holes. And, and I think that's something that could potentially go into the summer and Maybe late in the summer. I don't know, uh, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't think the roster that we see right now is going to be the exact one we see uh, come July or August.
1: I think that may be a good segue into the the talking point about the the ten biggest questions or biggest storylines that I have for Wisconsin in twenty twenty two, and 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 one of them that I had is how will Wisconsin fill out its roster over the ensuing months. I completely agree with you. I don't think Wisconsin is done. We know that Wisconsin is in the mix for the UCLA transfer wide receiver. We'll see what happens with that. But even in December, when we had the chance to talk to Wisconsin assistant coaches during the early signing period, receivers coach Alvis Wooded was asked whether he'd look in the transfer portal for another experienced receiver, and he didn't shy away from it. He said, we're obviously looking for players that can help build our room. And if he fits, he's the right fit they'll do their due diligence and see if they can make it work. And then he went on to say that they're excited about who they have and they're trying to develop them. But that was, I think, a position of need that that Wisconsin, even at that time, you could say if they can find somebody, they should do it. And they're trying to do it. We also have to remember, and I don't know whether there's going to be any additions at this point, it's pretty late in the game, but you've got another high school signing period coming up on February 2nd. So there's the potential over the next couple of weeks, Wisconsin, takes somebody and and puts it on their board the the highest guy that was left out of the early signing period obviously was Carson Hinsman the O lineman who picked Ohio State over Wisconsin so I don't know whether there's much meat on the bone left for that but I completely agree with you that with the way the transfer portal is right now this stuff is ongoing and I would expect out of spring practice there to be further changes because there are guys that think they've got an opportunity for a bigger role and if it doesn't happen that's a great time for them to decide I want to make a change before the start of the season
0: so that was number ten on your list of ten things uh I don't I don't know if they were in order were they in order are they, nah, just... they okay they were all just right, cool. in no particular order. no no in no order of importance all right cool then I'm gonna make you put these in order of importance uh all which right. yeah we, we talked about the transfer of the ten questions that you have here, including you know what does Paul Chris do with his coaching staff? Does Graham Mertz make this jump? Which which of these uh, of these ten is is top of mind and and the the most important to make happen and to get answered?
1: Well, as it turns out, what I put as number one is probably number one for a reason. It was top of mind, and we discussed this uh, quite in detail a couple of episodes ago. But it's what does Paul Chris do with his coaching staff? I think. Based on what we've seen the last couple of years, Wisconsin's offense needs to figure out how to take a step forward. And as I said, and we discussed, Paul has an opportunity now with Joe Rudolph going to Virginia Tech to make the changes that could help further this offense without having to fire anybody. And I still don't know what he's going to decide because he keeps things so close to the vest. But you could hire a quarterback's coach. That's another thing that... I don't know how much we discussed, but maybe Paul still calls the place, but brings in a quarterbacks coach. I don't know how much sense that would make. Maybe he's bringing in would bring in somebody. And and there's an understanding that there is more of a shared responsibility in that, but that is number one to me because he's got an opportunity to make that change. And, and I think that they were 120th in passing offense and as good as your run game is, and when that they found a star in Braylon Allen, That's not going to cut it, especially if you want to compete consistently for a Big Ten title. Um, And I don't even know, you know, the more I think about this, I wonder what's what's a reasonable, realistic expectation for Wisconsin every season based on what we've seen the last decade. I mean, it's not that they're going to win the Big Ten championship every season. They haven't won it. And this year it'll be 10 years. So I. It's to get it's to get to the championship and give yourself an opportunity, but even that hasn't been consistent. So I don't know. I'm I'm sort of rambling a bit, but I it just makes me wonder like what what do we think what what should be the reasonable expectation for Wisconsin's football program at this point?
0: I think it depends who you are. And I think this has always broken down this way, especially since in the last 30 years, because 30 years ago, the expectation was one thing and it's it's much different today. But especially for people that grew up with this success. When if you grew up with them not having success, you look at 8 wins, 9 wins, and 9 in 4 season as a successful year. I think in general, I'm 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 kind of generalizing here. I think there are probably some people that are in their, their 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 50s and 60s and and they want Wisconsin to take the next step. They you know, they they're disappointed that they didn't take the next step and they need to be at a certain level to to continue to, you know, support them the way they do. I think a majority of the people that are like that though, are in their twenties and, and thirties that are, uh, have already only experienced success in their, in, in the time that they followed this program. And then I think there's people in their forties that have seen a little bit of both. <laughs> They've seen the, they, they grew up, the team wasn't very good, but then it kind of, you know, mid mid childhood, it changed. Um, I, I'm kind of put myself in there, uh, that you know i knew it when it wasn't good and then i knew it when it was good and you, you, it's difficult to say exactly what you expect but i think what they've done over the last decade has has set a standard and if it's not 9 wins 10 wins 11 wins then it's not a successful season and i wouldn't even say this year was successful i i i i, I don't know if you would agree with that or not but i don't know who their signature win this year would be would it be iowa iowa would be their signature win so like i they lost most of the biggest games that they played and, um, that can't be a success, even though they got to nine wins. So I think when you're playing 13, 14 games a year, if you get the double digits, it can be, co- it, it's, it, it's successful. And, um, I think it's what people expect a certain segment of the population expects. They want you to compete for the big 10 West. You should win the big 10 West more than once every three years, um, and then go and, uh, uh, compete for a big ten title and, and at least have a shot. And they had done that over this last decade a number of times 2016, 2017, 2019. And um the last, you know, two seasons they haven't.
1: I agree that this nine-win season to me is not a is not a success, even though it's the envy of, of most college football programs. That's how I open this story that nine win seasons at Wisconsin, they just don't have the same sizzle that they would have in a previous era when you consider that eight of the last 12 Badger seasons have ended with double digit victory totals. So yeah, they left a lot on the table. And anyway, the point is Paul needs to make decisions that will move this program forward and the expectation and what they've done the last decade is that people want them to consistently compete for big 10 championships. I, I don't know. Is, is that a realistic expectation consistently Maybe it should be, it's not going to happen every year. It doesn't happen for a lot of other programs, but it just feels like he's got an opportunity to do something with this program to move him in a positive direction. So that's my number one is what he's going to do with the coaching staff, because to me, it's sort of hanging over the, the future of this program. Are you just going to bring in an offensive line coach? I sort of feel like that would be, I'm speaking for the fan base, but it would feel like a tremendous disappointment if that's the only change that you make, because there are more things that need to be fixed in my mind.
0: Aren't you the voice of reason?
1: <laughs> some some may say. Um it depends on the subject matter I suppose.
0: Yeah. Well, I think most people would say when you're in the Big 10 West, the Big 10 West, you know, always changing right? Team, you know, you would think teams moving up, teams moving back. Wisconsin and Iowa have been the two constants. Um obviously they're the only I mean them and Northwestern are The only teams that have actually been to the Big Ten championship game, but I think the Big Ten West is getting is getting better. But still, you're expected to compete for Big Ten West titles every year. Like you should win that, you should win it more often than not if you're Wisconsin, based on who's in this conference, who's in this division right now. Yes, and, and I, they I have. Think so, and, and they <laughs> have. Right, like 2014, 2016, 2017, 2019. Like there's there's only been what uh, eight conference, uh, or, you know, eight big 10 West titles and Wisconsin's won four of them. So th- they have won it more often than not, but this year had they been able to finish it off and, and gone on to the big 10 title game, look, this, this year probably has looked at a little bit different. I, I continue to believe that it was a good thing that they didn't, uh, finish it off. Not saying it was a good thing not to beat Minnesota. Um, but it- because it would have allowed for people to say there's, there's no need for change. And I think that there is a need for change. Um, however, however that change happens and, and we'll see exactly what Paul Christ, uh, has in mind. Uh, I think Joe Rudolph is probably leaving no matter what. So there's probably going to be, ch- there's probably going to be some kind of change anyways, but there, there's an opportunity here for Paul Christ to make a significant, ch- a significant move to, to move the program forward. Yep. And I don't, I, uh... I don't know exactly what that change, what that change will look like, but I think there's an opportunity for him to do it. I don't have. I'm certainly not going to sit here and say I have the answer for him to do that, but um, th- there's an opportunity for him to, to go a different direction uh, while still being able to keep what makes Wisconsin, Wisconsin. I
1: agree hundred percent with you. And I, I suppose that would go right into the the next couple in terms of level of importance. I mean, I've got a lot of questions about the defense. We've addressed many of them. I think the defense will be fine. Now it remains to be seen what fine means, but I think there's enough talent there for Wisconsin to figure some things out, even though there's going to be a lot of inexperience at the linebacker spots in particular, but I, my two and three are will Graham Mertz take the next step in his development and how will the young offensive pieces around Mertz come together? That to me is, is paramount. And one of the biggest determining factors of, of whether this can be a successful season. Um, and we saw this year it's, it's Graham didn't play to the level that anybody expected. If you look just on paper, the numbers, he had 10 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Now, six of those interceptions were in the early season losses against Penn state and Notre Dame. I thought he was better later in the season. I thought the offensive line generally protected him better. We mentioned before he had what eight touchdowns, four picks over the last, over the second half of the season, but there's a lot of going to be a lot of new weapons around him at wide receiver. We saw flashes in that bowl game, but can Marcus Allen and Skylar Bell do that consistently? Can Chimre DK consistently be the number one guy, even though Alvis would have said he's been ready for that opportunity since his freshman year? Well, now it's here. So will he be the, the number one pass-catching target that, that Mertz identifies? I think that is one of the biggest factors to success for the season, because this is going to be year three with Mertz as the starter. I look at it, and there's not a guy on the roster that can challenge Graham for the starting role, as is currently constructed. There just isn't. We've seen what Chase Wolf is. Um, Deacon Hill, for as big of an arm as he is, I don't know that he's ready to take that step. And, and Miles Burkett is just coming in in spring practice, who was in high school last semester. So it's Mercer's team again, and he's got to make that leap forward. And I, I think it's in tandem. So who's going to be coaching him, and what can they do to make him a better player?
0: Who would be your your guy to come in and and, and coach him? Do you have any God, Do you have no, any thoughts I, on that? I
1: really don't know. The names that come up are people with ties to Wisconsin. Is, is Scott Tolzien the answer?
0: I, I don't know if he's the answer, but I know he's not the answer at offensive coordinator. Like I can't imagine them making him offensive coordinator after There's not no had, experience having having not coached a position.
1: Right. It worked you know, for like, Jim Leonard, but Leonard uh, Leonard wasn't he coached a, a position. For one year, right, and and, but I think that was a particularly unique situation. How many Jim Leonards are out there? Um,
0: There's just not that many. There's not, and 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 Scott I think is probably a really smart guy to probably bring a little bit of a, a, you know, a different, different eyes. You know, being where he's been, whether it was, you know, as a as a quarterback in the NFL with the Packers and with the Colts, and you know, just having a little bit of a different feel for what it is and then being with kellen Moore these last couple years that certainly can hurt um and and giving him an idea of uh, different ways to to run an offense but i just I, i just don't see him coming to be the savior as an offensive coordinator and i i don't see that i could see him being the quarterbacks coach i could see that but i couldn't see i can't see him being the offensive coordinator so but hey as a quarterbacks coach a guy with his like i know that some people like to bring somebody from outside of the Wisconsin family, but I kind of think what Scott would bring would bring a lot of things that haven't been in the Wisconsin family. Cause he hasn't, he didn't spend uh, the last, you know, his last 10 years hasn't been outside of one year, hasn't been at Wisconsin.
1: I also think based on Paul's history of, of who he likes to bring in, that that's the kind of thing that would be expected and maybe it works well. He has brought in guys who didn't have any ties to Wisconsin, obviously. But oh, you see sure. how many people he surrounds uh, himself with that understand the program. I think the other name that you know is out there is what well, <laughs> would Daryl Bevel ever come here? Now he's gonna get an opportunity to remain the Jaguars head coach. Not gonna he's, happen. He's he's been in, in in interim capacity. Like let's just say that fell through completely. It's, I'm just saying, it's a name that is out there that has the experience that clearly has the ties. I don't know how many more names you just say, this yeah. is who the uh, from the an outside perspective, this is who the top three are. Paul yeah. would obviously have a list if he wants to go in
0: that direction. I would, th- yeah, I mean, Daryl Bevel, come on now. Um, like he's he's
1: he's an NFL guy,
0: he is, he spent his entire career in the NFL since yep. you know since he was in green Bay as the quarterbacks coach, like he's, but let's just say
1: he's out of a job in February,
0: you know, you but he was know. out of a job a year. Like, uh, he was out of a job two years ago. He spent a year out of the NFL. He didn't even coach, uh, after he got let go as the office coordinator in Seattle, he was, he was not in the NFL. I remember. Cause he was, he was at the, uh, at the UW golf outing at the, the legends golf outing at the university Ridge, I think in June. And, uh, I think Tom Oates wrote an article about him wanting to get back into the NFL. So I don't know. I, I think he is an NFL guy at this point. And I don't think it seems unlikely that that would change unless he's got, unless he's had a change of heart. But, um, those, those two are obviously the names that have been brought up and talked about as potential quarterbacks coach. And if, and if you're bringing an offensive pointer, Daryl Bevel would, would probably be the guy, right? Like if you, if oh, yeah. like he, like you could see him being like he's not coming here just to be he would not come here just to be the quarterbacks coach he'd be the offense coordinator and probably have to have a healthy 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 say in what would happen what would be happening on the offense and again I don't necessarily think that's a good thing um, because I don't I, I look at the offenses that he has been in charge of and outside of the years with Russell Wilson to an extent not not great not great so yeah we'll see it's are you surprised that that has not been uh, like has job hasn't even been posted yet. And I know, no, it doesn't really mean <laughs> anything because I'm not Jeff
1: surprised him. about anything. They take, Paul's going to take his time. And like I said, uh, and I didn't have this in my 10, but I probably should have the, the, what are they going to do with the recruiting departments? It's, it's been such a big talking point for six or seven months. We're into mid January here. And as Paul said, he was going to spend January working on it and get it presumably uh, ready by February. But, Saeed Khalif left seven months ago, six months ago. So as long as it's in place by the first day of spring practice, that's all that matters. Now, Wisconsin's team is going to be back this weekend. All the, all the uh, early enrollees, there's half a dozen early enrollees, the couple transfers, they're all moving in to campus this weekend. So they're all going to be together, but you don't, I don't think need the coach in place until the start of Spring practice. We saw it with running backs. Gary Brown was hired. What five days before spring practice started last year? So that's when it really matters.
0: Yeah, I feel kind of feel like it's ideal to have them in place. <laughs> well, <laughs> sure. Later. I mean, of, of course it, it is. But like, that's the, the
1: absolute drop dead day, is what I'm saying.
0: That's them being on the field. It's not that they can't meet. You know what I mean? Like, they, there are there's prep for spring ball. There's obviously those winter workouts, but there's also meetings going on and that type of thing. Like, it's yeah. I, I you would think you'd want that guy in place. ASAP. How but disappointed you put,
1: will you be but, if there's no you, guy? If it's just an O-line coach?
0: Depends who that office line coach is. Oh, but that oh, means saying, that Paul.
1: No, oh, but you're I'm just saying, saying that means Paul retains his, his other responsibilities.
0: How disappointed will I be? Uh, well, I mean I, I won't be disappointed. I will be uh, I think I'll actually be okay because I think people would freak out about it and then we'd have a lot more to talk about. No, I'm kidding. Um, it would <sighs> Yeah, I, I don't know how to. I, I don't know how to. Uh, let's let's see what happens uh, before That's fair enough. before overreacting to something that has yet to happen. Or not? Nah. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Because I think if if it did happen, there will be some strong reactions, and um, I probably will have one of those. But until it happens, let's <laughs> let's 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 hold off on uh, at least me hold off on making any bad statements about anybody or anything that happens. So yes. Thank you, Jesse, for trying to, trying to get me into trouble here. Um, That's I appreciate that. For. Uh, so this other, the rest of the top 10 here, is there any other one that stands out? Um, as we, uh, as we get to close here to wrapping up the show, is there any, one of these other ones that stands above the rest? Cause we, we kind of talked we talked about the defense. I feel like yeah. maybe it's, maybe it's probably offensive line or something.
1: Yeah. Most of these we've, we've addressed in terms of positional breakdowns and, the Who emerges at the linebacker spots? Can the defense get close to the level it played at? I don't know. But the offensive line is always interesting. And then the one that's unknown at this point is which true freshman can make an immediate impact because we see it happens every year. You go back and especially the last four years or so, there have been guys every year. 2018, there were five true freshmen that played in more than four games. Aaron Krug, Shake, Bryson Williams, Jack Sanborn, Rashad Wild Goose, John Chanel, I guess, uh, a mix of whether you'd say those guys had successful college careers, but it did lead several of them to growing into bigger roles. I, I think there's an opportunity for at least a few of those guys to play. And I, I know I've mentioned some of them, but like a Tommy McIntosh, a wide receiver.
0: You love yourself some Tommy, Tommy McIntosh.
1: You well, love, not, it's you not a love.
0: Big... some... Matt, you, come on now. You've mentioned loved every, Marcus Allen
1: last year. <laughs> every time we
0: talk about him, yeah. every, to, every time we talk about any of the true freshmen, it's Tommy McIntosh. At the top of that list.
1: Austin Brown. Because I, think, because I think there's a positional need. I think he's got the talent, and it's not a particularly big class. And there's always somebody. So maybe it's somebody that we don't know. <laughs> For the most part, a lot of these questions have been addressed. And then the the, the big question is, <laughs> will Wisconsin win the Big Ten West? Right now, I'll go on record and say no. Thank God there's a whole season to play to find out. But as we discussed, it's a really tough schedule. I don't think Wisconsin beats Ohio State. I don't know what happens against Michigan state, but if you don't win that one, you're going to have to run the table in the West. And we saw this year, you can get close, but it's pretty tough.
0: So Jesse is out on Wisconsin with the big 10 West. That would be,
1: we might as well not have a show the rest of the year.
0: Okay. Cause that would be what, that'd be three straight years without it.
1: Yeah, it would.
0: And yeah, three straight years. And that'd be tough. That'd be tough. Again, I, I think it all depends what the rest of the West looks like though, too, right? Like, uh, Nebraska big addition this, this week and quarterback Casey Thompson coming from Texas, that, that could potentially be a huge addition for them. Maybe, maybe it finally gets Scott Frost uh, a winning record. I don't know. We'll see, uh, into a bowl game. Cause he hasn't been to a bowl game yet. If he can't, if he can't get to a bowl game with Casey Thompson and some of the other guys that they've been able to bring in and they've got a whole new staff and it, it, it feels like this is, last hurrah right like if you can't do it this year it's not going to happen type of thing
1: i the leash has been pretty long it feels like i don't know how many years he gets
0: this feels like a jim harbaugh thing and jim harbaugh was Could a be. lot more a lot more successful yeah. as as a coach than scott frost has been
1: uh yeah i, I suppose so I, I mean yeah you're right a lot of it has to do with the other teams in the west and how good they actually are i just i don't know uh maybe I'm burned out from the season and looking at who they've got coming back and just, I have a lot of questions. So I think they'll,
0: so maybe we'll they're... have
1: a better sense after spring practice, but even then uh, everybody looks good in spring practice, right?
0: They do to an extent. Yeah. I mean, Hey, uh, so you got them finishing seventh in the big 10 West.
1: I uh, won't go that far. No, that uh, they're going to have some serious problems. If that
0: actually happens, <laughs> <laughs> which teams do you know they will be better than? In the Big Ten West.
1: (laughs) Um, Nebraska until proven otherwise. Um, I just, you can talk about how good they were 20 years ago, but they haven't been good for a long time. But do you know how they
0: they were the best one-win Big Ten team ever, weren't they?
1: That's what I hear. Lost every single game by single digits. So, most impressive bad team of all time. (laughs) Um, I would think Northwestern. You two know, straight I, down,
0: I mean three, uh, two straight down years for Northwestern
1: Maybe? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's really hard to say at this point.:
0: But I'm making you say. So uh, I would say I think that they probably will be better than Illinois.
1: Oh, yes, Illinois. I I think I, that, I'll throw them in there.:
0: I think they'll probably be better than Purdue, though obviously Purdue gets um, they have to replace David Bell, who didn't appear to be missing. Uh, when they played Tennessee in the bowl game, that game was awesome. Uh, I think we talked about that already. Uh, maybe, maybe in an earlier show, that Tennessee-Purdue game was was fantastic. I, I think they're better than Purdue. I think that they will be better than Northwestern. I think that they will be better than Nebraska. And then it comes down to, what, Iowa? Minnesota, and Iowa. Iowa. And Iowa. Yep. And I think that they were better than Minnesota last uh, this past year. They didn't beat them, but they were better than them. Um, and it comes down to Iowa, like it usually does. It will come down to Iowa, Wisconsin, the big 10 West. And you have to look at who has the better, more favorable schedule. And, uh, Wisconsin certainly does not, but I don't think Iowa has the same, the same favorable schedule that they did this year where they only play, where their only crossover, tough crossover game was Penn state. So again, that's breaking it down on January 12th, about, uh, 11 months, uh, 10 and a half months before a champion is crowned. So there you go. You got that uh, down for you. All right, Jesse, uh, anything else you want to add?
1: I think we're good, man.
0: Oh, one more thing. I saw Wisconsin was 80 to one to win the national title. Would you put any money on that at all?
1: No, um, but I can't gamble on a team I cover. Oh, that's (laughs) right.
0: I I forgot about your, yeah, I forgot about you. But Um, no, I won't. All right, and and I think I did not see any odds for Braylon Allen, but do you think he finishes inside the top 10 of the Heisman Trophy race next year?
1: Ooh, um, yes. <laughs> okay. I, so that- I actually have a story I'm I'm going to be, this is going to be publishing next week on Braylon as some quotes I've saved from the end of the season. But I was asking... Tanner Bordellini, you might've been in that interview session too after the bowl game about Braylon and kind of what the, is basically the story is what year two for Braylon Allen. And we may touch on this more next week, but Bordellini was basically like, I expect him to be a Heisman candidate and he, he should rush for 2000 yards. So nice of his offensive lineman to put it out there for him like that. He did everything right this year. And if he is the starter, which we assume that he would be, he's certainly going to get a a number of opportunities to do his thing. And um, some of that has to do with how good Wisconsin is as a team but if he puts up numbers like he did in a 12 game season, I think he's got a chance to be in the top 10
0: all right so I'm seeing this from bet GM he is a uh, hundred to one to win well to win yeah to win to win I'm saying to win yes I know I asked you about top 10 but 100 to win 100 to one to win is uh, barely in the top 20 He might be like 25, 26 down there. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's got the same odds as uh, Quinn Ears, who just transferred to Texas to be their quarterback. So I mean, uh, they, there are uh, Jackson Dart doesn't even have a team. He's a hundred to one at quarterback. He, he just he just entered his name in the transfer portal. So uh, yeah, there they, they, again, January twelfth. That's what we have to think about. But um, I would expect another big season from Braylon Allen for sure. All right. Until next time, you've been listening to the Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.